Well, last week we finished our study of Matthew by looking at the Great Commission that Jesus commanded the church to go. So, what comes to your mind when I say the word missions? Now, last year I had the honor of literally traveling the world doing missions, teaching and preaching in in numerous countries. But before I go any further today talking about global missions, um, I need to share three underlying premises first. The first is local ministry, local mission are totally necessary for every church. I'm not saying or advocating at any point that we should neglect local ministry in the the local church or the local community. It's important that we as a church are involved locally in our community, our city, our province, our nation. Secondly, I need to say that global missions is tragically being neglected in today's culture. There are over 2 billion people. There are about 6,000 people groups in the world today that are classified as something being called unreached, which means that the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, is simply not accessible to them any way, shape, or form. And we live in a culture where Even some churches actually go out and dismiss the whole concept of global missions. Some claim that the time of world missionary activity is now over. We have technology. We don't need to be sending people. One argument is that missions is not only unnecessary, but it's actually destructive. Some make the accusation that global missions has been nothing more than a platform for imperialism and for the exploitation of underdeveloped nations by industrialized nations. There's a sociological component, an argument that says Western civilization is a corrupting influence on innocent natives, that they would have a greater well-being and peace without the problems of the Western world and inevitably the cultural baggage that is brought by the missionary. This is all pure nonsense, and it's not supported by any evidence. Modern missions provides valuable medical, educational, agricultural resources, and in addition to the important work of sharing the message of Jesus first and foremost. And unfortunately, the number of missionaries in the fields continues to decline because a significant portion of the church no longer believes that it's necessary to fulfill the mandate from Jesus to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the third thing I believe is that pastors have the privilege and the responsibility to lead the way in global missions. With over 2 billion people that have not been reached yet, we have to realize that then there's still a problem. This is not a problem for mission boards and mission agencies to address. This is a problem for every pastor and every local church to address. Oswald Smith said, the mission of the church is missions. And if we're going to take seriously the word of Jesus to go Uh, love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves, then at some point, we're going to be confronted with, with what it means for missions, and specifically global missions in our society. Missions began not at the Great Commission. Really, it began in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus called his first disciples and said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It was clear from the outset That when Jesus called somebody to be his disciple, he wasn't calling them to a religious life. He wasn't calling them, come to temple, come to Torah. But no, come and live an active life of discipleship. 
In Acts 1.8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this takes place just before the ascension of Jesus. He speaks to his disciples. He says, look it, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and up to the ends of the earth. You and I, as believers, we sit here this morning because the first followers of Jesus seriously took his words and went into the entire world. And they told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Now, I just dated my age of hair conditioning commercial. Acts 2, day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit is gifted to God's people, empowers them to participate in this ongoing mission from God. The day of Pentecost, the people of God, became a missionary movement that has forever been expanding, has forever been going out from the center. And so part of what it means to live faithfully as God's people is to live out as one who is sent out into the world. Missions is not something that we do for God. It's not something that we initiate and invite God into the process to participate in. Missions is what God is already active and at work, and he's already doing it in the world right now. He's just asking us to join up with him. And the mission of God is something that we get to participate in. It's an honor. Missions involves a cycle, a continuous cycle of going, of evangelizing, of discipling, and of church planting. We are an established church now. We are already acting in at least one aspect of that cycle by our very existence here at Soul Sanctuary. At one time, we were a church plant, and now we are an active participant in evangelizing, creating disciples, and sending out ministers of the gospel. Our obedience to the Great Commission is actually incomplete if we just make disciples. Our commission is to make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. We need to have both short-term, mid-term, and long-term missions, both local and global. And I would argue that our participation in God's mission is a natural part of who we are as God's people. This doesn't mean it's comfortable. Rather, missions takes place in the everyday and in the ordinary. It is local and global. It involves our worship and our devotion as well as our outreach to our neighbor. The church now becomes the anchor point for continual retelling and celebration of the gospel story. It just keeps going. It's cyclical. Have you ever thought what we do here under the banner of missions at Seoul? You notice on your offering envelopes you give, right? It just says missions. You know, who do we support financially? Why do we support? Why do we send teams and people? All great questions. When we first started Seoul in 2004, the leadership decided, well, even though we're a church plant, we want to support another church plant. And that's what we did. And so we found a church plant in the province of Altai in the country of Russia, Tanya and Alexei Pankov. To this day, we still support them. They were just here a few months back. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's where it started for us. One church plant supporting another church plant. The Bible doesn't say how much a church or an individual Christian should be giving to missions. But here at Seoul, we have missions giving worked right into our budget. Basically, 10% of our giving went to missions this year. 
We received $1.3 million in 2019 as a church, just so you're aware. Roughly 1.3. 220,000 of that came from the rental of this facility. That's mind-blowing. If you don't know anything about church world and church rental, that's mind-blowing. So basically, our rentals cover our mortgage. Isn't that great? You got the world paying your mortgage. Come on. So, so basically, we gave over 100000 to missions from what was left. So as a church, we also support Evan and Bonnie Falk. They serve overseas with Wycliffe Bible Translators. They haven't been back for a while, but they are on our list. We support Alexander Prashaga. He is the general superintendent of the Russian and the Ukrainian Assemblies of God. He lives in Moscow. He is a church planter extraordinaire. He's nuts. He's great to have around. Locally, we support Titus Graham. He works for Living Word Temple in the inner city here of Winnipeg. We support the Association of Related Churches, which is a non-denominational church planting organization that works with people and gets churches going. Every second year, we raise through our golf tournament funds for Bernie and Cecilia Masher, helping hands in Kenya, who run a school for children living with disabilities. Out of that, also, we support Randy and Carla Redman, home of the Good Shepherd in Brazil. They run a care center for at-risk kids and work with the local legal authorities. We are still granting scholarships in Indonesia for selected students to receive education that they otherwise could never pay for at such a, uh, such a Wakana Christian University. And by the way, we will be having a golf tournament this year. Just put that on your marker. We also will be supporting Sean and Murray Lavender when they leave for the field shortly. More to come on that in the near future. Not on our financial books, but on many of your financial books are the children that this community supports through Compassion Canada and who cannot forget what happened this fall with World Vision. Watch this video. In Kenya, there's this town called Taveda. It has approximately 156 kids who are waiting to be sponsored. My challenge to you is that you would walk out today you'd go into the atrium and you'll see where they have all these things and you get your picture taken. I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to fly to Tibet and I'm going to show them your pictures. And those kids will get to choose you. They'll get to choose you.
So um, I guess you're sort of just waiting to see how or why they chose you. When you hear your name called, you please come up on stage. And if you want, you can bring your family, your kids. But we're here to celebrate with you. So now, here's a backstory. Watch the screens. My parents were both born in Malaysia. My dad, around what he thinks is about the age of three, um, his mom had to leave because she was diagnosed with leprosy. She brought him to the uh, local um, orphanage. It was a actually an Anglican girls school. Something that we found out about maybe about 10 years ago was that my dad was basically um, sponsored. It's amazing because what they did like gave my dad opportunity, right? He was able to um, live, survive, he was able to come over to Canada, able to have a career here, able to support his kids. The impact that has decades and decades down the road that you may, you may never even know, right? The impact that you have. Her smile is quite something. Just to see that uh, smile and the look on her face, she genuinely looks really excited. I just look at her face and I wonder what she's thinking. She said she chose us because uh, her family is a family of five and we're a family of five. And our kids thought that was really cool. And I think about my dad and the opportunities that can come from a kid who ends up sponsored, um, ends up fed, ends up having their health taken care of, um, being educated, and the impacts of that down the road. So, I mean, how, how can you say no, right? You can't make that stuff up. We had uh, six people from our community interviewed, Chrissy and her family was one of them, and you just can't make those stories up. It was amazing. This past year, part of our missions giving, we raised money for a transition house for orphans in Ukraine. We helped establish a church plant in the city of Rivna in the Ukraine. We helped establish a rehab center that started in Kiev. They were able to find a better place, more land for less money, and it's now in Odessa. Part of our missions include uh, giving included a pilot trip to Ukraine in July where seven people from our community went to teach English at a camp organized by one of our partners. Pastor Sergei and Katya Semenyuk, they were just here not too long ago from the city of Lutsk. Watch this. Hi, I'm Mike. My wife and I have been coming to Seoul for around eight years. And I'm Sasha, and I have also been part of our community for about eight years. And we were both on the last team trip to Ukraine. I think one thing we both learned while we were in Ukraine was that it didn't really matter that we were Canadian and they were Ukrainian, we were just followers of Jesus together. And that in there, there was a unity amongst us that I don't think would have been there uh, if Jesus wasn't. 
Yeah, and we were there to serve the same God with our hearts aligned for the same purpose and the same vision, that these kids would meet Jesus and have a life-giving relationship with him. I think a big challenge for me was preparing for one thing, but getting something a little different when we were out there. So we were given an idea of what we were going to be doing at the camp, uh, but when we got there, it changed very quickly to something a little different, and just being able to roll with that situation and still serve in that capacity, uh, God still was able to, to do incredible things through that. I went in there thinking I was going to be a youth leader in a sense, and I turned out to be a media assistant the entire time and using the gifts that God has given me just to serve there. God was still able to use my story and my gifts um, and speak into these kids' lives that were really impacted that week. One of my favorite moments was getting the kids at the camp to teach me Ukrainian. Um, we, I know we went there with the capacity of teaching them to speak English, but I found out that when I asked them to teach me Ukrainian, they were all incredibly surprised that I wanted to learn their language. I went in there with the expectation that I was gonna go and connect with all these kids, which totally happened, and like I built incredible relationships that week. But also I didn't realize the community that I would find among the leaders that I was with. And I think the friendships that have developed, and those are friendships that I still have to this day. And it's been beautiful to see how God has um, used international relationships to build his kingdom. I think for me and my understanding of a short-term, really short-term mission trip like that is I feel like I don't really contribute that much and that it's almost more for my own experience and gain rather than someone else's. But recognizing kind of the impact that we made in such a short time while we were there, I think God just revealed to me that the little time that we do have, He can do great things. And I know here at Seoul, we believe that we can make a difference, and I think God really showed that uh, when we were in Ukraine. Yeah, and I think going to Ukraine, um, we knew that we were going to teach these kids about Jesus, and that was the point of us going. A lot of them have never heard the gospel or know who he was, um, and it was a moment of, like, they could have a life-giving relationship with him. Um, but I know it doesn't end there. The message of Jesus really is for everyone. We say it on Sundays, it's family values. We have it up in our conference room. That's the core of who we are, that we go and we speak the Great Commission. And we're called to do that in our daily life, in our daily walk, in our relationship with God, that it looks like us inviting people to church with us. Um, it's sharing the message with our family members and friends who don't know Christ. So that trip actually opened up the door for more short-term trip, missions trip in the Ukraine. In May, Mike, as you saw on screen, will, will be taking the Soul Sanctuary interns uh, uh, to meet up with Pastor Sergey and his team. They'll be in six different cities for a period of three to four days each. Kiev, Odessa, Koval, Chervenitsi, Lviv, and Lutsk. Also, upcoming in March, next month, um, I'm taking a hockey team from here. Go figure that out. We're going to work with Pastor Sergey to play hockey in an international tournament, which is actually at the end of our time there. But we're there to draw attention to the work of the church and to connect local people with the church in a variety of ways. So the big thing in, the, you know, Lutzka's not a big town, but when you got Canadians coming, everybody wants to come and, and see what's going on. And so we're going to be active in prison ministry. We'll be coaching kids. We'll be, even one of our members is going to be lecturing at a university, local university. 
people from this community who are going that you may know are Daryl Wanamaker, Tristan Wanamaker, Kevin Boone, Corey Enns, Gary Studensky, Ray Reimer, uh, Gord Giesbrecht, better known as Dr. Popsicle. And so Gord will have an opportunity to address over 700 students at one of the universities in Lutsk. And this is incredibly exciting. The doors are wide open to share everything and anything. And so, and again, if you want to help them out, feel free to approach them how you can contribute because they're raising their funds to go. The Great Commission is not disconnected from the church. It's a mission that's given to us as the church. The local church is the embassy of God on earth, the platform from which God advances evangelism, discipleship, and mission. That word mission itself comes from the Latin verb missio, which means to send. And so literally missions has to do with sending. And in the scriptures we see the verb to send being used over and over and over again in a multiple of different ways. But there's a whole sense in which the whole life of the church and the whole experience of the Christian is rooted ultimately in some kind of sending that's founded in the authority and the action of God himself. It comes from the Father. It is God who institutes and mandates the mission of the church. One of the most famous passages in the Bible speaks to this mission. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Many people know this verse, but how many know the second? One next to it. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The motive uh, uh, behind the divine action of his redemption lies in God's action in sending his son into the world. The purpose was not negative, it was positive. God didn't send his son for the purpose of judgment, but rather for the purpose of redemption, for salvation. Verse 34 reveals more about that mission. For, whom, uh, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. Jesus was sent by God. He was sent by speaking the words of God and giving the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes in John chapter 17, a great prayer. Uh, he says, for I've given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and they have come to know the truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. And he goes on, he continues to pray for the disciples. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have I sent them into the world. And here we see the basis for the mission of the church. God sends Jesus, Jesus sends the church. And the mission of God has always been a sending program. Go back to the Old Testament. God speaks to Abraham in the land of the Chaldeans. What does he do? He sends him to a new land where he'll be a father of a great nation. He comes to Moses in the midst of the Midianite wilderness and he sent Moses to Pharaoh with a message, let my people go. God sent his children out of Egypt into where? The promised land where they were disobedient to the covenant God had made with them. So what does he do? He sends prophets to warn them. And when that didn't bring them around, what does he do? He sent his son. The word apostle means the one who is sent. In the time of the New Testament, an apostle would be the one who can carry with authority to speak in the name of the one who has sent him. In the New Testament, the first apostle really can be argued as Jesus himself. Why? Because he was sent by the Father. Then the Father sent the Son, who sent the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit was poured out on the church in Acts 2. And the church was sent to complete the ministry of Jesus in all the world. To every tongue, to every tribe, to every nation. 
And so you're probably sitting here going, you know what, Jerry, I've been thinking about what you're saying. There's a whole lot of money that's involved in all this. And I love whenever I talk about money. It's always somebody's first time to soul, and they get their shorts in a knot. So please, loosen your shorts. Just listen. It is. It's a whole lot of money. And I'll say this. We desire for each person coming through the doors of Soul Sanctuary, not only to actually experience a life-changing transformation through Jesus Christ and to move from consumer to contributor. Every mission, missionary, ministry we support has been vetted by our staff and they are held to the same standards we have for all of our leaders and ministries. Having church staff and leaders or members visit the mission or missionary on a regular basis is equally important as well. Why? To ensure accessibility, authenticity, accountability, and productivity. There's a reason why we got to do that. So let's talk about giving. This topic, like I said, is going to send some through, through the roof. But let me say this. Not all giving is missions giving. Robert, Robert Lepton in his book, Toxic Charity, How Churches and Charities Hurt Those They Help and How to Reverse It. He says this, sometimes we need to understand that there's a difference between charitable work and mission work. See, when we look at our culture, everybody's getting on the charity train. You got the rock groups, you got TV celebrities, you got even, look, elementary school children, you know, radio stations, Fortune 500 corporations, campus uh, frats, you know, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's getting on the bandwagon. You can go through your McDonald's drive-thru along with getting your Big Mac fries and Coke. You can donate your change if you carry it anymore to Ronald McDonald House, right? Because they got that little box right there. That's a great cause. But that's charitable work. That's not missions work. When you go to Walmart or Costco, they invite you to donate to Children's Hospital or whatever other organization has got the rights there. And again, good cause. Not, I don't have an issue with that. But it's charitable work. It's not reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. It's very different. Corporations now, what they do is they can realize and enhance their images through cause-related marketing. The compassion industry is almost universally accepted as virtuous and a constructive enterprise. Businesses, corporations, and all kinds of organizations learn that they can sell more products and move more merchandise when they move their customers by adding some sort of uh, charitable angle to whatever they're selling. And the sad side effect is that some Christian people mistakenly believe they're contributing to genuine mission work when they buy a meal or purchase some, some sort of merchandise, etc., because the cause or the business organization claims to support whatever. Let's be clear. While mission work is charitable work, not all charitable work is mission work. Can I quote Elwood from the Blues Brothers movie? We're on a mission from God. I had to watch that. There's actually a clip that he said. I think he says it like five, five or six times in the movie. And, and if you guys haven't seen the Blues Brothers, like you got to like live a little, okay? You know, watch it. We're on a mission from God. Every Christian, every church should be seriously taking the idea of missions because we're literally on a mission from God to bring people to Jesus, to to. Uh, make them fully devoted disciples of him. Every mission, every ministry we support should be bringing people to Jesus and helping make fully devoted disciples. And they should go on from there. This summer, Sharon and I were invited to an all-expense-paid trip to Swaziland, now known as Iswatini, 
courtesy of Riverwood Church. How can you say no to an all-expensive paid trip? And so I phone up Pastor Todd. I said, I need to meet because this, this is too good to be true. What's the catch? He goes, there's no catch. We just want you to be our guests. We just want to pay it forward. We just want to invite you to consider partnering with us and see what's happening here. No pressure, he says. Just come and see, he says. Pastor Todd of Riverwood's a liar. I have to admit, I was completely smashed. I still am. My experience was so gripping. We were taken to a number of care points where kids were being fed basically their one meal of the day. Uh, at fully sponsored care points, they're given basic preschool, medical. Each care point had these shepherds, as they're called, to look after the kids spiritually. And so a fully funded care point is, is running on full full blown, and we got to see two of them run, run that way, two that Riverwood Church sponsors themselves. The problem is, they took us to care points that were abandoned either by churches or corporations who, for whatever reason, no longer saw the need to keep funding what they started. At that time, I was planning our Matthew 25 challenge. I knew that we had world vision on the books and where we were planning to go with that. But here's the problem. The words of Jesus were constantly in my head. I'm planning Matthew 25. I'm, I'm, and now I am in Eswatini. And, and, and let me just refresh you to what Jesus says in Matthew 25. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another this, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right you guys are sheep. And uh, he will put the goats on his left. <laughs> to hell with you guys, basically, is what's going to happen. So. <laughs> and so then the king says to those on his right, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom that is prepared uh, for you since the creation of the world. Come, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes. Man, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And the righteous sheep, the what? What? Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did you, we see you sick or in prison and we went to visit you? And the king replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did to the least of one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Are you guys ready over there? Because now the story shifts. Says the king, says to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. And they answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. 
and then they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. My illustration's over, so hopefully you guys don't feel damned for the rest of the day. But I have to admit, I was angry at our hosts because I was now in a place where I saw a need and what was I gonna do? It wasn't until actually our last day that both Sharon and I felt God speaking to us. Here, watch this video. Hey, Soul Sanctuary, it's Sharon here. How you doing? I'm out here in Swaziland, yes. Yeah, wrong video, sorry. Hey, Soul. That's um, me. I'm here at uh, the care point <laughs> Mungwanini. And uh, it's, been, it's been a wild week. It starts off with a whole lot of frustration of seeing what we can and cannot do and how people need help in our world. And uh, I love the fact that we're a global church, that we do not only work in our inner city, but we look at other opportunities around the world in which we can help. And this opportunity, courtesy of Riverwood, fell into our lap, and we took advantage of it, and Sharon and I are out here. And uh, there's a lot of things about Swaziland I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that uh, before any care point uh, took place, it had to be started by volunteers. Nobody's being paid to feed these kids, and these kids wouldn't eat if somebody in the community uh, didn't step up to it. And it's when there's no money coming in, many of them just take out of their own meager earnings to turn around and help feed a brother and a sister, uh, not just literally, but, but spiritually as well. And uh, it's, it's a culture of community. Um, it's a culture that uh, is, is very, has its own set of pride, but it's a culture that looks out for one another. When we first pulled up, and uh, I knew we were coming to a place that was close to the dump, and we heard about the story, but the first thing I saw was the dump, which is literally across the street. And then we turned into the gravel driveway, and, and of course you see nothing but a shanty town all the way down. And we pull up to this area, and there's a bunch of kids playing, and there's a soccer field behind me. Uh, there's not much here, but they're playing, and there's laughter, and there's joy. And of course we meet Treasure and Cindy, the two, two teachers, uh, who are a presence of peace, really, is what it is. And, and so in the midst of that is this, this I, I call it a lighthouse, I, I really do. In the midst of this dark place, when you hear the story that people are selling their kids uh, for food, that this is a place that if you want to go and buy a child for sex, you come here. And uh, it's well known in the community. And, and to, to try to curb that, to try to stop that is huge in the community. I don't think we can change all of poverty. I, 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 I know we can't. But I know that we can make a difference in one area. And, and as soon as we walked on, this is the last day we're here. And as soon as we walked on this site, I knew it resonated with soul. And it would resonate with you. And you've heard us, you'll hear a story about what it's all about. But uh, again, with us as a church community, we need to start somewhere. There's a need. And uh, I think for a couple dollars a day, I, I don't see a problem as to making a difference on another side of the world with an organization that has a heartbeat for the culture and a passion to see transformation. And I know that we are planted all over the world, but I think that that's our mandate. I think that that's what God has placed on us as a community, a generous community, a giving community, and uh, one whereby we can actually come and experience what's going on here. I can't wait for the day to bring a team of people who are going to say, okay, let's see, let's see what this is all about. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I'll lead the charge and we'll come out here 
and you see for yourself what, what's going on with the organization and the structure of Children's Hope Chest, but the difference that dollars make in the lives of kids here. It's there. It's there. And uh, I don't think you can walk away without being affected. And here's another take on the same thing from Sharon's point of view. Hey, Saul. No, that's hey, not Sharon. Hey, Sanctuary. It's Sharon here. How you doing? I'm out here in Swaziland. Yes, Africa. It's hard to believe that we're out here, but I do have to say that I believe that God has called us out here for this moment. And uh, to see the needs here has been um, eye-opening for me personally. So when we got to Swaziland, we were told that one in three people have HIV. And that became evident to us as we looked around and we saw kids holding the hands of grandmas. So that middle, the parent population has been wiped out. This care point is called Mangwanini. Mangwanini has about 250 children that come here to be fed and to be educated. And I think the part that really touched my heart was when we came up here and uh, we were told that a lot of these children are sold and um, a lot of them are um, in prostitution and there's many, many reasons, but I guess it all comes back to the fact that families are in need, they're hungry, and a lot of them are without hope. And I guess that's one thing that I feel that we could bring them is hope. I think the difference that we could make as a community is that we would see lives not only physically transformed in the sense of having nutrition, but we'd see them educated. Educated um, in so many different ways, but I think for, for me, it's about, it's about knowing Christ. It's about education in the Word. To me, that's really important, but I think we take one life at a time, and if you can transform it, they can in turn help other people. And this community, this country, can um, grow and develop. And I'm just asking that if you as a community would come alongside us and partner with us so that these children would not only have food, education from these wonderful teachers, but also that they would have um, a spiritual mentor that they could look up to. And so I'm hoping that down the road we would be able to um, bring maybe some groups down here to meet the children, to get to know them, and just to play with them. And then of course, to show them the heart of God and how much he loves them. So I began to ask how much it would cost to be a partner and to look after at CarePoint. Because I, I, I felt we had to do something. You cannot just see something and walk away and hope that somebody else picks it up. Because there's a cost. Now again, remember Matthew 25 is running through my head. And Manguini has a donor right now from the United States who, who pays for the food. That's all he pays for. And his commitment is, I'll keep paying for the food until a partner's found. The teachers, 
on site are given a meager stipend to teach 40 preschool kids, and that's provided by children's hope chests. Watch this. Hello, Sol. Good to see you. I'd like to introduce you to Matt, my new friend. And uh, Matt, I'd like you just to take a moment of time, talk to your people back home about uh, what you do, who you represent uh, here in Swaziland. Uh, I'm the country director for Adventures and Missions in Children's Hope Chest in Swaziland. Um, we take care of 7,800 kids um, at 40 care centers across Swaziland. Um, the focus of the ministry is discipleship, community asset-based development, and a holistic approach towards addressing the complex issues of poverty. Now, uh, Sharon and I, you introduced us to a, a care point called Manguanini. And uh, can you just give a little history about that? Manguanini was uh, started by, uh, by a very amazing woman called Gugu. Uh, she was a teacher and social welfare worker. And she walked around in the community and realized that there was real atrocities happening in that community. Um, pretty much what she found was is that parents were literally selling their kids um, for food um, and prostituting the little girls out so that they could buy food um, for the rest of the family. Um, so Google got all the community together and asked him, hey, what do we need to do so that this will stop? And, uh, and pretty much what the community asked her and said, if you can help educate our children and feed them, then we will not need to sell our kids. Um, so that was the start of the Mangwaneni Care Point. Uh, Gugu also started a little school at the bottom of the community. And unfortunately, Gugu passed away a few years back. And uh, the possibility that was there that the Care Point would close down. Um, so we as an organization felt very strongly that we cannot allow that to happen. And currently, that Care Point doesn't have a partner, doesn't have a, had a partner for now for over six years. Um, but we continue to support it. Uh, because of the impact it has specifically on the Mongwaneni community and what it stands for. And uh, again, this is a community that uh, makes its existence out of the dump that's just across the street. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yes, yeah. definitely. Uh, most most of the, the families, uh, that's how they make their daily existence. They wait for trash to be dumped so they can go through it um, and find, as they would call it, little treasures. Yeah things uh, that they can sell or even eat. Now, speaking of little treasures, there's two teachers there by the name of Treasure and Cindy. Yes. Who are absolutely fantastic. They are amazing. And uh, that, that little preschool actually has a, a wonderful um, crowning point right now. Yes. Um, that, that, little, that little preschool, um, it really makes the kids so school ready that there's actually primary schools that come and ask for our kids. And can, can you think for yourself, you know, if you grow up in that community and there's actually a, a, a head teacher from a preschool that comes and says, I want you to be in my school. Mm -hmm. There was a young man that grew up through the systems in that care point and he finished high school two years back and he was the number one student in the country. Uh, his name is Sibo Siso. Currently, Sibo Siso is studying uh, electric engineering and talk about a dream. His dream is to see Swaziland energy independent in his lifetime. It's amazing. Uh, it's an amazing dream. Uh, what an inspiration for that community. Right. And you said that he graduated high school at 21. That's correct. Why um, is that? He, 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 he had to work. Uh, high, high school is not for free. So uh, uh, he would work for, for a year, then pay for a year and go to school, then stop again, go and work, 
and then play for high school again. So they're and continue. People are motivated to change. Absolutely. But I they mean, just they're in a system that just doesn't allow it, right? Absolutely. The the the, the thing is, you know, um, in Swaziland, there's really a lack of opportunity mm. and a lack of support. Um, and that's why you sit with a country with over 40% unemployment rate. And then, you know, on, on every one salary that's earned, you know, that one salary has to take care of 13 people. Right. Tell me very quickly, just the, the importance of a church community coming to Swaziland and coming to take care of our care point for, let's say, a week. The main thing for us about teams is, is they come to Swaziland and, be, and then be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, first of all, they, they come and tell a kid, listen, I'm coming from across the world, across the water, to come and spend some time with you. Uh, I think everyone has the desire to matter. And there's no better way to show a child that he matters by physically holding him, physically praying for him, and just look him in the eye and tell, hey, you matter. The impact of, of people is huge on the children. And then we always have to remember, uh, it's interesting, many people will think money is the currency of Africa. It's actually relationships. Mm -hmm. And you cannot build those relationships just by via a letter or via a phone call. That physical contact, looking each other in the eye and, and caring for each other, that's needed. Wow. Matt, thank you for what you do. Thank, thank you for you. your time. <laughs> and, uh, Thank you, Soul, for listening. One of the biggest desires is that the Care Program Partner sends a group of people every year to do basically a DVBS or a kids mega camp. Sharon and I had the opportunity to watch Riverwood do this at their two care points that they sponsored to actually participate with them. So I go and I eventually find out the cost. And I have to be honest, I'm a little disheartened that it came my way. Because the cost of being a full partner is $30,000 for this care point specifically. And, and, you know, from a budget point of view, I look at it and go, well, that's one-third of our existing missions giving already, and how can we do this? And so, honestly, I was at a loss. So I had to ask the questions, how can we start small and grow? And so currently, I'm in negotiations with Children's Hope Chest to see where we as a community can start. You know, can, can we pay the salaries of the teachers? Can we cover the cost of the food? Can we pay for the shepherds to come to provide spiritual and medical care to the community. And so, you know, my, my question is, how can we pay for this? I, I don't have an answer for you right now. I don't. But that's where I'm looking. Now I'm actually looking at our golf tournament, when you think about it, as a key support provider. And this is why our, our golf tournament is so important, even if you don't play golf. Um, it's getting the word out to others. It's getting people, not from our church community, but from others outside of our church to come alongside of us and help make a difference in this world. And we can raise anywhere from twenty dollars to $40,000 on a day of golf, all for missions. But I need your help. The Bible's teaching needs to cut, cut to the heart of North American Christians. By any measure, we are the richest people ever to walk the planet Earth. And God gives his people, I believe this without question, Psalm 67, he gives his people worldly wealth to spread of worldwide worship. In other words, he gives to us for we to give back. And the mission is clear that we are to reach people for Jesus and make disciples. We need to make sure that we stay on mission as individuals and as a church. And the best way to do that is to stay on the front lines ourselves, doing everything we can, using every resource at our disposal to reach people for Jesus. This is a global missions 
church. I forgot to even say about Ukraine in July. We do have a number of people interested in going back to camp to teach English. The interesting thing is Pastor Sergei basically got a donation from somebody here in our community to cover the 250 uh, kids, many of which are also orphans who will be coming to that camp. Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to make a difference? I was going to leave you with 10 simple reasons why we do global missions here at Seoul. I'm not going to. Just jump to slide 21, please. I think the reason why we do global missions, it's the heart of God. And after watching any of these videos and your heart doesn't break, and I want to invite you to come with me, and I'll take you to these places, and I'll let you experience. We'll see what God does in your heart. Mark Battison, in his book, All In, he says this. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing it safe is safe. That there's any greater privilege than sacrifice. That radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to go all in and all out for the all in all. Global missions is incredibly important, but the most important is that thing of all is that you and I are all in. The front lines carrying the greatest mission of all time every day with everything we got. And that's where I end today. And for those of you who are waiting for me to ask for money, I'm so sorry to disappoint you this morning. Stand with me, please. God, I have a very simple prayer for all of us here at Seoul. That you'd open our heart. That you just open our heart to go and make disciples in our world. God, may we partner with you every step of the way. In ancient time, the one who blessed, extend his hands for a blessing. Those receiving blessing did likewise. Soul sanctuary, here's your blessing. Remember the words of Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. Soul, Jesus also said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries. Soul, Jesus also said, love your enemies. He also said, ask, seek, and knock. And do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And whatever you do, even for the least of these, you do to me. Remember those words, so as you leave. Now go, be blessed, and live the church. We'll see you next week.